0: Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast. A podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture today as we talk about power in the blood. And this is a subject that I'm going to be on for at least a few weeks. Today I'm going to talk to you about the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the protecting power of God's, of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, our kids are getting ready to go back to school. Our teachers are ready to re-engage with their students. And so next Sunday, we're going to talk about protection power of the blood of Jesus. And we're going to pray over all of our kids and our teachers and our administrators. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus over them as this new school year starts and then we're going to also share together next week in holy communion so i'm inviting you to make plans to be here next week as we talk about the protecting power of the blood of jesus now i want to invite all of you to join us this wednesday night we're going to be having one of our family worship nights we're going to be gathering here in the sanctuary. And as I was praying about this service and the day and time in which we're living, the crises that we're the crisis that we're facing right now, and knowing that we're about to start back to school, there was no one that I felt would be more qualified and more anointed to speak to us in a season like this than Sarah Glover. And so Wednesday night, I'm turning her loose. I'm going to turn Sarah loose Wednesday night. You know, I look around this sanctuary here today at some of you that are adults now and have your own children now, and I think so many of you would talk about what an impact this this lady has had on your life. I want to hear what she has to say. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is dealing with her and that she's going to have a message for all of us this Wednesday night, especially for uh, our families. But today I want to talk to you about the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. That, that word redeem there, and thank you, Tanya, but that, that word redeem there just simply means to pay a price in order to purchase Freedom. To pay a price in order to purchase freedom. It it, it actually also means to to buy back. Now, for a long time, I had a real misunderstanding about this word redeem because of one thing growing up. S&H green stamps. Any of y'all remember those S&H green stamps growing up? Man, we licked the back of them stamps till I thought we were going to pass out. You know, you didn't have those self adhesive SNH green stamps. You had to lick those puppies, and then you had to put them in a little book that would hold about 1,200 of those stamps. And then you would take about 1,200 of those books with 1,200 stamps in them to a redemption center. And with those 1,200 books filled with 1,200 stamps, you could get yourself a toaster. That was my idea of redeem or redemption. Growing up, I can look at some of you right now and tell you licked a lot of them SNH (laughs) green stamps. My first job in high school, my first job was I worked at Western Supermarket and we were giving those things out back in the day. But I've, I've, I've come to get a better understanding of what the word redeem or redemption means now. It just simply means to pay a price in order to set someone free or to buy back in the old testament which is written mostly in hebrew there's really just one hebrew word that describes or defines the word redeem redemption or redeemer and it's the word ga'al sound like an alabama word don't it ga'al and it refers to the redeemer It's the word that is used to refer to Boaz. You remember back at the first of the year, we did a series about Boaz and how that he was the next nearest kinsman to Ruth and that he was her redeemer, that he bought back everything that she lost and then proposed to her and made her his wife. But we get a much better understanding of the word redeem, redemption, or redeemer in the New Testament. Because whereas we only have one word and a couple of derivatives of it in the English language like redeem, redeemer, or redemption. There are four different, at least four different Greek words in the New Testament to help us get an understanding of the dimensions of the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. And what that word redemption means. So, so let's look at those four words. And if you have a way to write down some notes, you'll want to make some notes today. This will be very important for you. But the first Greek word that is translated as redeem, redemption, or redeemer in the New Testament is the Greek word agorizo. And it simply means the marketplace for slaves. And may I remind you that you and I before Christ before Christ ever went to the cross and before you and I ever put our trust in our faith in what Jesus did at the cross this is where you and I were we were born slaves to sin listen to how Paul describes it here in Romans 6 and 17 he says once you were slaves of sin And then he says it like this in Romans chapter 6 verse 20, he said, in those days, that is before Christ, when you were slaves of sin, you weren't concerned with doing what was right. How many of you remember those days? When you were a slave to sin, sin was your master and you didn't even have a desire to do what was right. You you didn't even want to do what was right. And And then Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, he said, I am sold into slavery with sin as my master. And that's exactly what Satan did to every single one of us who were in that marketplace of slaves when we were put up on the auction block. Satan sold us to sin. Some of you have been sold to the sin of lust. Some of you have been sold to the sin of addiction. Some of you have been sold to the sin of anger or bitterness or resentment or insecurity or inferiority. But all of us before Christ, we were slaves of sin. Sin was our master. And so what we needed is we needed somebody who would come into that marketplace of slaves and redeem us, pay the price to set us free, pay the price to deliver us out of our bondage to sin, which brings us to the next word in the New Testament for redeem, redemption or redeemer, and that's the Hebrew or the Greek word ex-algorithm. See, before it was agorizo, but it's ex agorizo here. And putting the ex at the front just simply means now it means out of. So it says out of. It means out of the marketplace for slaves. And may I tell you, that's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. Jesus came into what was then, when he came into the world, the world was a global marketplace of slaves. We were all sinners. We were all in bondage to sin when Jesus came here to this world. But notice what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. He said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So that's what Jesus did. Jesus himself became a slave. He entered into that marketplace of slaves in order to redeem you and me. He came into in order to bring us Out of. Listen to what Paul says here in Galatians 3 and 13. He says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, a beautiful picture of this would be the Old Testament prophet Hosea. God asked Hosea to do a really difficult thing. Because God wanted to illustrate to the nation of Israel just how much he loved the nation of Israel and just how unconditional his love was for the nation of Israel. Here's what he says to Hosea, the Old Testament prophet. He said, I want you to go out, find, and marry a prostitute. Now let me just ask some of you guys here today. How would you feel if God spoke to you To do such as that but God is wanting to illustrate something here and so Hosea he goes out and he marries a prostitute he brings her out of a horrible life and marries a woman by the name of Gomer oh I don't know what it is I just can't get past Gomer Powell every time I every time I hear that 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 name but her name is Gomer And he brings her out of that horrible lifestyle, and he marries her. They have three children, and after being married for an extended period of time, do you know what Gomer did after Hosea showed her unconditional love, the kind of love that he showed her? Gomer decided that after having three children and being extended, or being married to to, to Hosea for an extended period of time, she decides she wants to go back to her old life. And so she goes back to being a prostitute. And then the Lord speaks to Hosea. And listen to what he says to Hosea. He said, the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. Now what he's referring to here, of course, and we'll see it in a moment, is the nation of Israel who had been unfaithful to him. The nation of Israel who had committed adultery on God by serving other gods and worshiping other gods. And God's wanting to illustrate... That that just like Gomer who left and went back to prostituting and went back to committing adultery on her husband, God said that even though the nation of Israel has done the same thing, I want them to know that I still love them. I want them to know that I still haven't given up on them. And so he says to Hosea, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So where is Gomer now? Gomer is back now on the auction block as a prostitute. And... Now she doesn't look like she used to look. Now she's on up in years. And while she's up on that auction block, nobody is bidding for her. Nobody wants her because she's all used up. But at that auction block that day when nobody else would speak up and bid, all of a sudden the man from the back of the crowd by the name of Hosea, he began to bid. And and look at what he says here in verse 2. He said that I bought her back. For 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. After all that she had done to him, after being unfaithful to him, after committing adultery on him, after they had had three children and had been ex- married for an extended period of time, and walked out on him and the kids, he still went and redeemed her. He still went and paid the price to buy her back as an expression of love and as an expression of the love that God has for every single one of us. You say, well, why are you sharing that story? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. We were in that marketplace of slaves and we were in bondage to sin but Jesus, he left heaven. He took on the form of a slave and he came into that slave market and do you know what he did? He paid the price redeem us, He paid the price to buy us back. And that's where we get the next Greek word in the New Testament, the word lutrosis, which means the full payment of a slave. Because you see, when Jesus redeemed us, he had to pay the price. He had to pay the ransom for our sin. He had to pay the ransom so that we could be set free from that marketplace and from that life and from that bondage of slavery. And so here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. He says, now you were, everybody say were, you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, just like Hosea bought back Gomer, Jesus has bought you and I with a price, and it was a high price. You say, well, what was the price that Jesus paid for our redemption? Ephesians 1 and 7, in him we have redemption through his Blood! Oh, I'm thankful today for the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He goes on in Ephesians, in Colossians 1 and 14 and says, whom we have redemption through his blood. Look at what the scripture says in Hebrews 9 verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. This is one of my favorites. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but notice what he said he said that you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish oh but he's not done yet Titus two fourteen, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us and then I love what John says in Revelation 5 and 9 and they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation how many of you remember the old song we used to sing the red back hymnal I'm redeemed by love divine glory glory christ is mine all oh, to him i now resign i have been redeemed by the blood of jesus someone somebody thank god for the blood the redeeming power of the blood of jesus oh but there's still one more dimension of this redemption that we have in christ Well, one one more word in the New Testament, and that's the Greek word "apolutrosis," which means the full payment of a slave's freedom. You see, when you would redeem a slave, whether in the Old or the New Testament, you didn't redeem them from a life of slavery so they could now become your slave. You redeemed them from a life of slavery so they could be free. Jesus has redeemed you from the bondage of sin in order to set you free and return you back to your original position as sons and daughters of God. Look look, look at this passage of Scripture, Ephesians 1 and 7. It says that He is so kind or so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. You see, He shed His blood. He paid the price so that you didn't have to stay in bondage to sin, but so that you could be delivered from the bondage of sin. So that you can be free from the bondage of sin. He said it like this in Galatians 4 and 7. You can't say it any better. Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir of God through Christ. You see you are no longer a slave because of what Jesus has done and because you put your faith and trust in what he did at the cross. You're no longer a slave bondage to sin. You are now a son and you are now a Daughter, you are a child of God and an heir of Jesus Christ. Somebody thank God for that today. So we put all of that together. Here we are. Slaves to sin. In a marketplace of slaves. And Jesus becomes a slave. Comes into the marketplace. into In order to redeem us out of. But in order for him to redeem us, a price had to be paid. And he paid the price with his own blood. So that we no longer have to be in bondage to sin. But we're free to be who God created us to be. Which is sons and daughters of God. Now, a few years ago, I saw something in Scripture that I had never seen before that fired me up. And it was in the genealogy of Christ. Now, I know you're thinking, you mean God can speak through all of those so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so? How many of you have ever gotten into that reading? So-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. I don't know about y'all, but I begot tired (laughs) reading all the begots. But Matthew and Luke both give us the genealogical record of Jesus Christ. Matthew starts with Adam and goes all the way up until it ends with Christ. Luke, however, does just the opposite. Luke starts with Jesus. And then traces his ancestors all the way back to Adam. But you got to see something here. And I'm not going to read the whole genealogical list. But what we're going to do is we're going to pick up with Jacob and go back. And it says here that the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, that is that Jacob was the son of Isaac... Isaac was the son of Abraham, who was the son of Terah, who was the son of Nahor, who was the son of Serug, who was the son of Ru, who was the son of Peleg, who was the son of Eber, who was the son of Shelah, who was the son of Canaan, who was the son of Arphaxad, who was the son of Shem. See, we're going backwards, who were the son of Noah, who was the son of Lemech, who was the son of Methuselah, Who was the son of Enoch, who was the son of Jared, who was the son of Mahalel, who was the son of Canaan, who was the son of Enosh, who was the son of Seth. Now we're getting close because Seth is the son of Adam. But are you ready for this? Who was the son of Adam? Who was the son of God? You're not getting excited enough about this. Just telling you right now you're not getting excited enough about this you were originally created to be the son and the daughter of god and jesus didn't come just to redeem you so that you could remain in your bondage no he came to redeem you he came to buy you out he came to set you free so that you could be reinstated Back into your original position as a son and as a daughter of God. Listen to me. When you begin to follow the trail of redemption, when you begin to follow the road of redemption, it is a road that is stained with the blood of Jesus Christ. You go to the Garden of Gethsemane where the shedding of blood began. And isn't it interesting that it would begin in a garden? Because where did we lose Ourselves, where, where where did where did we lose that that intimacy and that fellowship and the relationship that we have? It was lost in another garden called Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, and Adam. Knew the difference between his will and God's will, but he chose his will over the will of the Father. But then when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, what does Jesus do? Jesus, the Bible says he prays until his sweat is like great drops of blood. And then what does he pray? He prays, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Adam chose his will over the Father's will. Jesus chose the Father's will over his own will in another garden called Gethsemane. What am I saying? It says that his sweat was like great great drops of blood. I believe there he redeemed my will so that now when I'm born again, I have a will that wants to follow God. I have a will that wants to do what God wants me to do. I have a will that is in line with the will of God the Father because he has redeemed my will by his blood. But after he left the garden of Gethsemane, he then goes to the house of Caiaphas. And it Caiaphas' house, they began to pluck his beard and they began to strike him across the face and they took an old stick that they had put in his hand as a scepter and they began to hit him across the face with it. In other words, his face is distorted. His image is distorted. When they plucked his beard, when they beat him across the face what happened? Blood began to flow. What am I saying? I'm saying in that moment he redeemed your image and he redeemed my image because sin had shattered the image of God within us but Jesus' image was disfigured so that my image could be healed and so that my image could be what it was that God first created me to be. Oh, it doesn't stop there because then they take him to the praetorium and at the praetorium they take the robe from his back and they take a whip and they begin to beat him across the back until his flesh hangs like ribbons and blood begins to flow. What happens there? I believe he redeemed our bodies. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, you and I, we are healed. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that redeems us from the curse of sickness and disease. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. They then take a crown of thorns and they put a crown of thorns on his head. Thorns is a picture of the curse because after Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible said the ground was full of thorns and Jesus takes upon himself the curse of our sin. But when they put that crown of thorns on his head and pushed it into his head, blood began to flow. Do you know what that means? That he has redeemed by his blood, he has redeemed my mind. I can now have the mind of Christ. I don't have to have a mind that's filled with worry and anxiety and depression and discouragement because my mind has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Now I can think on those things that are good and think on those things that are holy and think on those things that are of good report, but it doesn't stop there. They then take him to the cross and they lay him out on the cross and through each one of his hands, they put spikes and out of his hands blood blood begins to flow because there he redeemed man's work. There he redeemed our hands so that the Bible says now that everything that we put our hands to will prosper and not only that I can now lift up my hands as holy hands in praise and in worship to almighty God. Why? Because he has redeemed my work. He has redeemed my worship and then they would take his feet and one foot over the other. They would drive a nail through both of those feet and out of those feet blood would begin to flow. What was he doing? He was redeeming my walk. He was redeeming your walk. Amen. Now I don't have to walk after the flesh. I can now walk in the spirit fulfilling the desires and the work and the way of the Holy Ghost in my life. Do you remember Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you Lord are with me and your rod and your staff they comfort me he's redeemed my walk but it's not over they put him on a cross and a soldier comes and plunges a spear into the side of jesus and blood begins to flow go back to the first garden and the first adam first corinthians chapter 15 refers to jesus as the last adam not the second adam the last adam and whereas death came through the first adam life comes through the la- the last adam but what was it that god brought out of the side of adam his bride So when they plunged that spear into his side and blood began to flow, you know what he was doing? He was restoring. He was redeeming fellowship with the Father. Because you see, he didn't just come to redeem us, just like with Boaz and Ruth. He didn't just come to redeem us. He now proposes to us. And we are the bride of Christ because of the blood of Jesus Christ and we have fellowship intimacy relationship with God the Father you're still just not getting excited enough about this it's the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus I want you to stand with me Father, we thank you so much that we stand redeemed today. Those of us that have put our faith and trust in what you did at Calvary, when you paid the price for our redemption, we stand today redeemed. (laughs) We're no longer slaves of fear, but we're children of the Most High God. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God. Being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.